0: Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in our podcast at Burn Orange Nation. And you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself Feel free to connect with us on social media at Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, or you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to just take a moment and recognize the passing of the oldest Texas football letterman, uh, John Henderson, who was a letterman in 1935. He passed away at the age of 107 years old. Actually, he and his wife, Charlotte, were recently named the oldest living couple by Guinness uh, World Records. They actually met At the University of Texas in 1934, a year before he earned his letter. They were married for 80 years. So again, horns up for John Henderson. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's ready to follow puka and opt out of football. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? (laughs) You know, if if I had
1: potentially... Millions of dollars, heck, hundreds of thousands of dollars with my name on them, and I didn't have to play f- football for uh, the University of Kansas, I might make the uh, make the same decision. No, I, I, I get it. Uh, we saw players do this in the beginning of the year. We're seeing players do it uh, for a potentially winless team. Um, I think what that means is... is even though it was a close one last year. Our predictions from last week about Texas finishing the season, we both picked UT to uh, to beat Kansas, and this makes us feel a lot better. Gerald, things are already looking up.
0: You know, I clinched up so hard during that game last year. Like, if Texas lost to Kansas in football twice in four years – I legitimately yeah. might have set my diploma on fire. Like, that's that's how bad it would have been. Uh, but Puka Williams has decided yeah. to uh, – he's actually heading back home to help care for his mother who is dealing with um, health issues. So, again, family over everything. I completely get that. Do it's best for you. But it might also have to do with the fact that Kansas is absolutely terrible at football and he's got an NFL future.
1: You're absolutely right about Puka, but I didn't want to pass up. You talked about John Henderson in the opening, and I, I mentioned that. Uh, to my wife when when the news broke about him passing away um, again at the incredible age of 107 years uh, old, which is amazing. And, and I said he and his wife, you know, Guinness Book of World Records, they were married for 80 80- years this isn't that amazing and this again transparency my wife and i just celebrated our one year anniversary we're about a year and a half now i guess um uh but during this this quarantine and this covid where we've spent every moment of every day together um and and i said 80 years can you even fathom that and she said how long did you think it took before they got sick of each other <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and you know, I kind of get it. I mean, the man put it 80 years. And he's like, really, I have to now do a quarantine with you where I get 24 seven. I don't even get to go out golf with the boys. You don't have shop. No, I'm kidding. Uh, obviously, it is a tragic loss for uh, to not have your, your other half of your heart for 80 years. And we were kidding. My wife and I kidding. Don't worry, guys. No, no. Couples counselors listening to this need to tweet at me. But, um, man, the, the quarantine uh, feels like it's been 80 years um, when, it's, when it's you and your spouse. But 80 years of, of bliss, I would say. But, again, just, just an incredible, like, piece of Longhorn alumni trivia and fandom. There's so many people in so many corners and parts of the world who do things that are historic and world- you know, changing or at least the best or, or, or most extraordinary. So again, another, another piece of, of Longhorn uh, trivia for you that you'll, you can always uh, hang over probably the folks
0: who don't listen to this podcast and a few others heads. It's almost like what starts here changes the world, Kyle. Ooh, nice. Nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, not a game week this week. We thankfully don't have to talk about Texas doing something stupid on the football field, but we do have some injuries to talk about. So we're going to talk about injury update, kind of what it means for the rest of the future. And then we'll obviously do, we'll do a whip around kind of, we got a lot of 40 to down this week, which is, uh, quite nice. Finally seeing the other sports in competition. We'll update you on the Longhorns, the NFL, and then we'll close the show out with some bang, the drum. So, uh, Tom Herman did his weekly update. Not a whole lot to talk about from that, uh, but we did get a massive injury dump. Uh, we'll start with the negative news and, and we'll jump from there. Um, so, the biggest news to come out of that is that um, Dele away. the guy who we knew was injured, is actually confirmed out for the remainder of the season with shoulder injury. And then, Jordan Whittington once again will miss time. He has what Tom Herman described as a freak. Hip flexor strain. Uh, he says it has nothing to do with the previous hip issues. Um, there was a hit that he took. Uh, I guess it was. I don't know if it was in the game or in the in in the in practice. But uh, basically, he is dealing with a hip injury. No surgery. Rest for a couple of weeks to let the strain heal. So Jordan Winnington continues to struggle with injuries now on the flip side of that Texas is getting some guys back Uh, Brendan Schooler looks like he'll be back uh, on in the lineup at least he's expected to practice on Tuesday Uh, so that'll help with the depth at uh, inside receiver, same thing goes for Jake Smith, who had a hamstring flare-up right before the OU game during pregame, and so he sat out. So those two back with Whittington out. Uh, I mean, Schooler is a downgrade from Jordan Whittington, but it's uh, you know what? It's glad to at least have some depth there. Uh, defensive back Chris Brown dealing with a so- shoulder injury. Uh, Reese Latow, who plays that Jack linebacker position, uh, defensive back Tyler Owens and Caden Stearns all practice for the first time on Sunday, and then Braden Lybrock, who had been dealing with uh, Something called a shoulder sublocation. I hope I said that right. Sublocation. I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. Uh, They're planning to have him back for practice on Tuesday. So uh, Texas needed this week off. Texas needed this week off to both metaphorically and physically lick the wounds. So I think, in my opinion, Kyle, I think the biggest injury news that's coming out uh, is I think the, the mix of Dele being out and Smith hopefully being in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think uh, Delhi being out for the season is is obviously a, a big one. I think, you know, the, the biggest piece of news um, that, that we'll talk about is is the other receiver with Jordan Whittington, right? Um, but uh, I, I do think that uh, – I think any – you look at linebacker, and that's a position, obviously, you've heard us on this podcast, you've read it everywhere, you've seen it yourselves. If you watch Longhorn Football, that's been a position we've all been um, – Watching kind of very eagerly, we talked about how much growth Overshone has made in that position, uh, but he still actually led the team with missed tackles with four last week. Again, just when you play that aggressive at that position, which is tough in the Big 12 anyways, you're going to have um, ups, downs, and everything in between. So, I mean, it, it hurts <clears throat> to lose a player who has a lot of upside. I don't... Um, I don't know that he was starting immediately anyways. I think he's still growing into some of the, the more Big 12-y aspects of the game. Again, he feels to me um, like he's he's probably a better version of, or a very similar version, maybe a little more athletic than Court. Um, so, I mean, I, I hate not having him as that option, um, but I don't think it, it necessarily changes the trajectory uh, of our season because um, w- he wasn't one of our linebacker starters. But depth at that position is not not, uh, not something you want to play around with. And then wide receiver, which again has kind of been our odd skill position this year safety in, in the, in the OU game, but, uh, in the year at at whole, it seems like the wide receiver position has been, uh, maybe the most snake bit, uh, this year. And it just doesn't feel like we've had the full unit available at any point, uh, this season, right. And, and, you know, last week with a with a Jake Smith late scratch right and then schooler being out I think Marcus Washington only got a couple snaps towards the end he was dealing with an ankle uh injury you've just seen a lot of um in a unit that we said was deep and had a lot of guys, you know, it does feel like we are we are truly getting a test of that and 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 rotating a lot of people in there. Again, it's evidenced by Kai Money being a person who, you know, is playing consistent and regular snaps every game. And credit to him for stepping up. But I would love to have just just one week. I would love to have the combination of Jake Smith, Jordan Whittington, both healthy. In the slots, with Schooler being able to come in and be, you know, more of a a a spell to those two and a blocking option for them to catch screens, right? Versus, uh, you know, our go-to receiver that he has been in a couple games uh, as a as a transfer, just a couple weeks before the season. But that's all to say that, you know. It, most of this is good news. Most of these are guys coming back, and that is good. It's a football season. You're going to have people in and out. I just, you know, I'm dying to see our two young dynamos in the slot uh, in Whittington and, and, and Smith play a game and stretch a Big 12 offense on either side with the, with the kind of home run potential that they each possess.
0: Yeah, and I think we saw what Whittington can do in that OU game. I mean, leading receiver – should have had at least one more reception for probably another 20 yards that Sam kind of just looked past him a little bit, uh, going for the touchdown rather than the first down. So um, miss, having Whittington – and we said this on Twitter, but, like, I am, like, believing for, like, the Jordan Shipley career path for our young man. I mean, the name is right already, right? Jordan, Jordan. So, like, I'm I'm hoping that this is – you know, the he gets the injuries out early, plays another three or four years at Texas and puts up incredible numbers and, and is able to really – um to shoulder things again, getting them both on the field would be incredible because there's just not enough. There are not enough guys to cover both of those guys. Plus, who Texas has along the outside in at tight end, so you get those guys on like a five wide look, and things get real spicy real fast for a defense. Linebacker is going to be a mash unit until Texas can uh, consistently land wider. Or, land um, the the guys that the state does produce. And, and we'll talk about that uh, next time we have Mike Roach on, but there's, there's a lot left to be said about that linebacker group. Cause I really think that's the, when you look at where the defense is struggling, it seems to start and end with that, with that middle space of the field where we saw Demarvin and overshow and make an incredible play um, against OU where, he, you know, he checked down to make sure there wasn't underneath route and then step back and, and had the interception. So I think like there's, there's, a lot of upside, but there's just not a lot of depth to lean on, and especially in the conference like the Big 12, where your linebackers are just running constantly. They're chasing guys down. They're, you know, catching stretch plays. They're trailing from behind to make sure it's not a massive cutback. Like there's just so much ground these guys are required to cover. M- missing bodies is just not, uh, not the way to be successful. So uh, with Dele being out for their the year, that's gonna have a massive. Massive impact on what Texas can do. But again, you've got to play the hand that's dealt you. And, and as Texas prepares to take on Baylor uh, this week, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, who trots out there on Saturday.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it will not. I don't think there will be a week that goes by um, that we will not be watching the linebacker matchup against, you know, any, uh, offense. I would love for our linebackers to get the better of Charlie Brewer. I think that's probably, uh, how you, um, make that Baylor game, not, you know, last particularly long, uh, or be a contest particularly long, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to go back a moment, Gerald, because I know we, we were the, uh, originators, innovators, um, publicizers of the, well-known, well-documented curse of Jermichael Finley at the tight end position, which we feel has been relatively broken. But have you ever thought about the curse of Jordan? So go with me here. Instead of being a curse where a player leaves early, as we saw with Jermichael Finley after he left early to go to the NFL, and then UT had about a 12-year spell of tight ends that either just couldn't perform, got hurt, uh, you know, just, just couldn't live up to the expectation so Jordan's Gerald, um, think think about a couple famous Jordans. Obviously, Jordan Shipley was like in the the recruiting class of two thousand one. Didn't play until two thousand six. I'm kidding. He's not quite that old. But on his third Masters, he finally started getting together uh, in 'o eight. Uh, with his broke out and was able to play. You know, all the games to get eighty nine catches. But I mean, that was he was the running joke for younger Longhorn fans who don't know this. He just tried so hard and so long to get his talent uh, on the field, and it really wasn't until kind of his fourth year on campus that he really uh, was able to do that with that you know, medical red Richards. Richards was able to uh, finally get it going. But there are some other Jordans. If you remember uh big time recruit, Jordan Elliott, who came to UT didn't, didn't stick here, ended up transferring to Missouri and now has a good NFL career, but didn't work out for him. In the beginning little Jordan Humphrey first year was not much to write about. He's probably the exception to the curse uh, there. Jordan Hicks significantly better. We talk about every week in the NFL than he was on the 40 acres. Um, we tied Jordan didn't even make it to campus. Uh, I don't know, Gerald. Is there is there uh, an exorcism that that needs to be happened on the on the name Jordan now as Jordan Whittington uh, joins the the unfortunate ranks of of Jordans who can't put it together, especially in their first years at UT.
0: I mean clearly There's clearly something going on and, and if we need a young priest and an old priest We can make this happen I'm sure we've got at least a couple of people That know priests who listen to the podcast So if you're a young priest and an old priest and pate- Tweet at us <laughs> Jordan Exorcism And we will we will get this thing going And if you're Priest Holmes
1: Also tweet <laughs> at us uh, With, with uh, hashtag Jordan Exorcism We'll get you in there uh, as well Well, You can never have too many priests For a good old fashioned seance You can you can never have enough priests For a, uh, a good old fashioned Burn orange exorcism
0: Yeah so um, speaking of burnt orange exorcism, let's jump over to down the forty. We got a lot of forty to down today, Kyle. So let's like jump in because it's like two thirds of our show notes for the day. So quick update: we're avoiding the, sp- the, the 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 spookiest of options for Oklahoma State. So number six, Oklahoma State, Texas heads to Stillwater in a couple weekends to take on the Cowboys at three PM. We anticipated this being a night game because well we anticipated Texas not being absolutely trash at football. But three PM game on Halloween, definitely not as spooky as a night game in Stillwater.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean it's uh black and orange at night in Stillwater on Halloween. It just it doesn't doesn't go well, I don't think, right? That's that's your uh david s pumpkins um you know mike gundy halloween costume ready made there i I am excited there will be daylight i'm still not excited for that game but uh you know it, it is like it is the way we put it in the notes it's the least spooky of the options uh that it could have been i was i was dreading having a night game but that's number six in the country oklahoma state right now again we'll see just how good they are um by the time we get to them, they'll have played OU, so that will reveal something. Because um, there is a famous saying about that Bedlam game: anything can happen in Bedlam. Sometimes OU wins by a lot. Sometimes they win by a little. So we'll see um, exactly what happens in in that game and how good Oklahoma State is. But I, I, I certainly am am not with the way Texas has played through four games, feeling incredibly confident going into that one. Yeah,
0: no, it's definitely no matter the time. Definitely spooky season still. So continuing our exorcism theme, so we avoided the ghosts. In Stillwater, volleyball tried to exercise some football demons over the Kansas State Wildcats, so they uh, claimed back-to-back wins over the Wildcats uh, this last weekend. So they actually gave them a little bit of a gave a little bit of a, of, a, of a sweat there on Friday. Texas dropped, I think, two of its three uh, sets that they've dropped this year came against Kansas state. So it looked like they were going to ruin the perfect season, but Texas again came out on top three, two on Friday and then three nil on uh, Saturday for the win to sweep and continue their undefeated streak at number one.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, Kansas state is not bad at volleyball. There's, I mean, they're doing a top 15 right now with the women's college volleyball rankings that came out two weeks ago. UT has been number one in every one of those rankings. Baylor, sitting at number two as well so they're not bad um but you know the only conference by far with with three teams i i didn't even check if anyone else has two um but is the big 12 with, with k state sitting there at number 13 so it's a really good win it's a quality win k state tested them but it will actually be helpful um i think two or three three weeks from now uh texas will take on baylor again if all things hold number one versus number two uh in the country so it's it's um UT has looked great. They've weathered uh, some storms early, but most things have come relatively easy. But the, the the kind of piece here is that a little inside baseball of how this actually, uh, the sausage is made here on the podcast. We're recording uh, our Tuesday show, obviously, on, on Monday night um, to release to you on Tuesday. And the Big 12, uh, for whatever reason, likes to wait until Tuesday to release their players of the week. So we don't have the, the potential, uh, you know, results there but going back a week back to the Oklahoma game being the third game uh, week of the season junior Logan Eggleston is the now three for three big 12 offensive player of the week through the first three weeks again the fourth week will come out when you're listening to this Um, but is the first Longhorn in school history to ever win that three consecutive weeks no one in all of the great names if you think back to our volleyball Mount Rushmore all of the great names that have played volleyball uh, on the 40 acres some elite All-American, Olympian caliber uh, talent. No one has done uh, the Big 12 offense or defense uh, player of the week three times in a a row. So uh, major congratulations to Logan Eggleston. That's pretty awesome.
0: Absolutely. And so again... So again, by the time you're listening to this, she could have set another record and been the first player to have it for consecutive weeks. So Texas, well Texas Tech this weekend, you can catch it on Longhorn Network Thursday. And so soccer continues to exercise their demons as well with their second consecutive win, a one 0 win over Iowa State, jumping to three and three on the season, digging themselves out of a massive one to three, one, one and three record.
1: Yeah, it's, it seems like they're getting something going here. It's uh, it's nice after the after the seven. Oh, win against T- K State. It's uh, you know it's a shame to only see them win one to zero. But I do like that zero uh, that they've kept the past two wins, the past two matches. Uh, defense wins championships. So uh, nice from the soccer team there.
0: Keep that clean sheet going. We got in the pool, Kyle. Texas is decidedly a swimming and diving school, and so Texas got into the pool. No fans were able to be there, but the men kicked off the season at the first chance Invitational. It was a non-score me- uh, non-scored meet, but Texas had. Th- 13 athletes could finish individually in the top three of the events that they were competing in. Freshman Carson Foster actually set a U.S. uh, age group record for the 400-yard IM uh, by more than two seconds, which was uh, also obviously breaking the UT record by a full two seconds as well so uh the women hosted the dust off your boots invitational which is just a great name um (laughs) olivia bray won the 200 yard breaststroke and the 100 yard butterfly she was kind of the uh the bell the bell cow for that event and then a freshman anna elt from germany actually uh, making a massive debut uh won her uh, 200 yard breaststroke uh by quite a quite a wide margin
1: and the exciting thing is, a lot of those are freshmen, right? UT is reloading uh, with a couple, you know, uh, graduating seniors in the past uh, year that, that were on both the men's and women's team, were dominant in their careers at UT. But it seems with these freshmen who are coming in, and again, to talk to Carson Foster, and his first uh, UT meet broke the, the school record in his uh, event is clearly a sign of, of things to come. There was actually also another person who um, I think was like a. a two hundredths of a second from breaking Townley Haas's school record, um, and I don't remember exactly what, and I hate to not give him the credit, but, uh, you know, just just to say, um, UT looks to be very good, again, in the pool, where, uh, again, we, we are fine on grass, uh, we're, we're pretty good on a diamond, um, we do okay on, on the right year and the right sport on, on the hardwood, but we obviously, we obviously most excel in the water.
0: If it takes place at a country club, Texas is probably going to be pretty decent at it, <laughs> uh, which let's just go ahead and say that. Now, men's golf is competing at the uh, Merido Collegiate Invitational in Carrollton. Colehammer uh, is actually tied for third after the first day at one. Under so men's tennis uh, competed at the TCU Invite. Freshman Micah Braswell was named the co-champion of the men's event, um, his second honor this fall. While the women were at the T A M U Texas A M University Invite, where uh, freshman Peyton Stearns uh, was named the tourney singles champion with a 3-0 winning margin, which is just absolutely incredible. Uh, so a lot going on, and then this is my probably my favorite uh, down the 40 of the week cross country. Both the men and the women went to the Arturo Barrios Invitational, which happened to be hosted by Texas A and M, happened to be hosted by Texas A and M University as well. And both the men and women came out of College Station with a W. So uh, suck it, Aggies!
1: <laughs> uh, Aggies like a saying they use in, in football for sure, but all sports I've heard it as well. Aggies don't lose; they just run out of time. Well, in the cross country event. You don't run out of time. You got time. It's long. You got to go a long ways. So Aggies, you, you just lost.
0: That one is just an L.
1: There's one more piece, Gerald, that that I wanted us to put in here. I'm throwing it in the down the forty, um, just to capture. We missed it a couple of weeks ago, but because of our love for Cat Ostrom, and I wanted to make sure we didn't miss it. I think it was the end of September. So we're not that far. It's it's quarantine. Time is a flat circle and also irrelevant. Um, but so she win won the inaugural. Athletes Unlimited individual pro title softball obviously not an individual sport but they it's it's an actually really interesting way they're trying to score this um, and, and give an individual winner of these team um, sports so because she you know was very good at both pitching and and hitting she picked up a total of. I don't exactly know how they quantify, but 2,408 total points to nab the crown over 56 other pros. She was on 13 winning teams. I think they were not one team they would draft each game. Uh, won 69 different innings. You could win individual innings. Had 95 strikeouts in those 69 innings, including 16 in one contest. through six complete games and a 1.53 ERA. I would just like to point out that Kat Osterman has – been graduated from the university of texas for many 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 years almost like a like a decade and a half um basically so she's ageless she's a wonder she's a favorite of this podcast and anytime there is news to share about cat i will find a way to squeeze it into a podcast because she's beloved and honestly one of the greatest longhorns of all time
0: we were, she was on campus at the same time as Vince Young, and I went on television to argue that she was not a better athlete, but a more dominant athlete at her sport than anyone else on campus at that time. So I completely agree with what you got to say. All
1: right. So, Jared, let's also take a look here at the, uh, the NFL. Um, again, we're recording this on Monday, uh, but we didn't have a game. Uh, To recap, so we're we're squeezing some things, moving them around just a just a smidge. Um, There is a game currently ongoing. Um, It's nine o'clock when we're recording this, and it looks like the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry, I'm sure a majority of our fans like them, uh, but are down twenty-one to three to the Arizona. Cardinals. um, So we we won't have full stats there in the last Monday night game, but we can give you everything else. And so I took a little look at it this week and broke it up, sliced it just a little bit differently. I wanted to look at wins and losses, how many players played on winning team in Texas football. I don't have backdated for other week statistics, but came out with a winning record this week, 10 wins, seven losses. I think they had three buys and one no decision where both players on that team did not play. Of course, they're not on every single team. I do give two points, three points for however many Longhorns are on a specific team, but 10 wins to seven losses. It was a winning week for Texas. So we start where we always start with the, uh, let's say, the East Coast Longhorn Alumni Association, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Devin Duvernay had three catches, 31 yards, one kick return for 37. Basically, his stat line says I do something that you expect me to. And then I have one big play you don't expect. And that's basically been it. I would like it to be he has multiple big plays that you do expect. Um... So keep feeding him. I know Harbaugh, you don't love the rookies, but keep feeding him. Justin Tucker was his electric self. He's in contention for Longhorn of the week with three for three, uh, with a long of 56 yards, uh, from the field goals and also three for three, uh, and extra points had, I think 12 points out of the 30 for the Ravens. So, uh, you could argue was just as effective as their, uh, as their MVP quarterback. And then Deshaun Elliott, three tackles and a pass breakup for the Joker, uh, in a W for the Ravens. Um, Gerald, tell me, tell me if this name rings a bell to you. I'm going to give you something. So first, I'm going to say Tennessee Titans were also uh, a victor. They beat uh, the Houston Texans again. Not a great week for professional Texas teams either. Um, G- Gerald, when's the last time you heard the name Jeff Swain?
0: Uh, about 30 seconds ago when you just said it. But before that, uh, <laughs> I hadn't heard it in a very long time. You know, so Jeff Swain got.
1: Activated, I think, last week uh, with some injuries on that uh roster, and so he's he's with some additional injuries. Like during the game, got bumped up. I think he played forty-five of seventy snaps on offense, twenty special team snaps. Uh, was a contributor. Had one tackle on special teams and on the offense had two catches for double-digit yards, ten. Um, even a design screen thrown to him. Um, he a- he actually had one drop that would have been negative five, but he was smart enough to drop it because he's he's a Longhorn and he's a thinking man. But Gerald. Jeff Swaim now has 50 career NFL catches, which is incredible and major kudos and congrats to him. Trivia that, again, we we love to help you, you know, throw some bar trivia bets to your friends. I don't know that anyone should know this. Maybe there are listeners who, who will instantly know this. Gerald, do you have any idea? Shot in the dark. How many catches? Again, him having 50 in the NFL. Now, how many catches he had in his two years as a starter for the Texas Longhorns?
0: 49.
1: 10 (laughs) (laughs) he transferred and 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 played two years at UT started both years and in those years he had 10 catches at the University of Texas and now he just completed his 50th catch uh in the pros which again validates our theory that uh Longhorn's like don't look recruits I know you listen to this recruits listen to me right now Uncle Kyle's gonna tell you don't look at the stats the wins the losses even the players who don't do particularly good at UT go on to have great and robust NFL careers. Just getting a little UT on you, sometimes, you know, it's instant, and you know it, and you go right to the next level, and it's success like Justin Tucker. Sometimes, it's kind of, it's a journey, and that Longhorn doesn't really marinate and get on you till about four years later, sometimes... The UT is the friends you made along the way. But I'll just say this. Um, <laughs> come to UT. You're going to make it in the NFL. It's very, very easy. Also in that game, Kenny Vaccaro, uh, a a noted Longhorn grade-A tackles one pass breakup. But, Gerald, I want you to take this next one because this is my favorite, uh, I think, Longhorn of the Week. Marcus Johnson, amazing.
0: Yeah, Marcus Johnson, I think, is is a guy who, you know, you said you – said, Tucker might've been the longhorn of the week. Marcus Johnson put up some numbers, five receptions, 108 yards. Granted that average is floated by a 55 yarder. Uh, he got shoestringed kind of at the, at the one yard line basically. Um, but as the first, the first touchdown, uh, was, they were down 21, nothing. And they came back, they outscored or they had uh, one on a 31 to six scoring run, as you would call it in basketball. Um, that's a, that's a that's a that's a little spark. Well, I mean, Marcus Johnson was always kind of a sparky guy at Texas, but that very clearly sparked the comeback for the Colts. He-
1: he's a guy I'm loving for sure. And that's over the, the Joe Burrow Bengals, baby. Um, they, to be down 21, nothing. And then, and then win. you know, basically scoring not 31 unanswered, but 31 to six is, is an incredible uh, day. And like I said, they were down 21, nothing when the 55 yard pass came, he got tackled. He almost rolled into the end zone on the tackle, but uh, on the inch yard. line. so I'm going to give him the first touchdown, but he led his team and catches yards and targets. I don't play fantasy football this year. Um, but for those of you, I'll give you, this is probably not where you should be coming for that, but I'll give you some fantasy advice. Maybe look at Marcus Johnson, if he's still out there to be had. Looks, uh, I think he had 90 yards in his previous games and, and doubled it this week, so maybe might be a, a flash in the pan. I had a lot of years of T.Y. Hilton fatigue, but no, this isn't about my podcast. Um, Chiefs also got a W this week. Alex Okafor with one tackle there. Your Dolphins, Gerald. Uh, Brandon Jones, three tackles, one for a loss, one pass breakup. Quickly, summation of the Dolphins so far this season.
0: If you can't beat the 0-6 Jets, you shouldn't put on a uniform.
1: That's very true. Uh, a guy we haven't been tracking in this here section, which I, I'm remedying this week, I'm giving a W to 49ers head coach, Kyle Shanahan. If you read enough tweets and internet message boards, maybe UT football's next coach. Who knows? Um, but improved to a 500 record at 3-3 and uh, with the 49ers with a, uh, a win over the Rams. Now to the not-so-fortunate soldiers who came away with L's this week. Malcolm Brown, three catches for 18 yards. That's right, I started with his catches. Two rushes for four yards. Better Um, catching the ball than running it, and that's probably why they lost to the 49ers. Colin Johnson played 15 snaps, but could not follow up his first touchdown of the year. Uh, Didn't even get a target this week from poor Gardner Minshew. Now, a guy who shined in a loss, New England Patriots didn't look particularly good, but Adrian Phillips did 11 tackles. Two of those for a loss. Ashawn Ridgeway, Keeps his one tackle streak alive. Um, Chaco O'Menahu one QB, hurry against those uh said tennessee titans and then um a couple linemen who look like they started but will be in losses that's trey hopkins starting he's joe burrow's center baby and connor williams um who's starting on the cowboys offensive line and what again looks to be they could still time turn it around but uh, a loss against those cardinals with jordan hicks so we'll have those stats i'm going to give hicks the w tentatively because we're recording right now Happy to be cold takes exposed when this comes out tomorrow if the Cowboys have a um, crazy comeback. But Holton Hill did not play, uh, neither did Chris Boyd. Both still injured. Tough tough look for those Vikings, which also need some help. Um, and then bye for the Saints, Chargers, and Seattle Seahawks takes those guys out of the equation. But a lot of Longhorns playing on Sundays and Mondays at this point. Uh, so good things for Longhorn football. You like that. I just spent a lot of time reading a lot of names.
0: Absolutely. And, again, I hate to see the Texans lose, but I was a Dolphins fan in and. Te- in- Miami has their number one pick this year. Keep it up, guys. Keep it up. We need some help. Love that. So that's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: I'm just going to go ahead and say it, guys. I'm right now recording this while wearing a Texas basketball shirt. We're 42 days away. We're not going to do our basketball preview yet, but be assured it's coming. Uh, I'm excited because I'm a guy who likes to buy into the hype a little bit in the offseason. And, uh, I mean, I thought this was like a a solid eight or nine win football team. I believe I'm I'm recording this podcast saying, but I think this basketball team – is going to be pretty good. I think uh, there's some good teams in the Big 12, but uh, I think Texas has a chance to do something this year. I think they have enough returning talent, leadership, and veteran uh, returners at, at guard. Um, you know, they, they have some explosive big men who are ready to take the, the next step up. We'll see if Will Baker can add some things You know, coming back and adding to his game. Um, Jericho Sims, a guy we're ready to see if he takes off. And then the, I think the biggest X factor, the player that, that I'm most excited to see, the one-and-done of one-and-dones that I, I think can have the biggest impact because of the type of game that he has and how like ready he is for doing all kinds of things at the college level. It's not necessarily a big, but kind of a a large slasher Um, is, is a man who, who my bang the drum is to go to www.twitter.com and uh, search in that search bar for one at GB three elite. That's right. Greg Brown, a man who, who has been fantastic branding himself since before he got in the 40 acres. If you've seen the Sonic logo, which uh, is associated with him um, since his time in high school. Uh, but a big five-star recruit, a kid who we don't expect to be here more than one year, uh, who, who's going to be exciting and, and do some good things is also just an unbelievable Twitterer. He is very good at the medium. You should be following him. If you're not again, pause the podcast or wait like a couple minutes. We're very close to done. Then go and immediately remedy that and do follow Greg Brown, because he is breaking more news than uh, Texas basketball at this point he's the more vital follow. You remember we, we, we brought the uh, you know comment out to you that Shaka smart had hair, you know the, the kind of reverse thing that was going on. Um, we learned that only by a photo tweeted, by Greg Brown, not the official UT account, not not the, the photographer. This is Greg Brown's Twitter. I don't know if he has his own photographer. I don't know the setup, but he gives you great pictures. He's given me I'm, – I'm now excited for the pick and roll based on his tweets that he's, 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 he's tweeting out with his teammates. When he dunks on his teammates, he's nice enough to make sure the photo is cropped and angled in a way that you don't see who is being absolutely posterized. They're hidden behind his body or arms. Like he's just that kind of good – bought in salt of the earth teammate and he also tweeted at jericho sims which made a good friend of the podcast uh at bitter white guy um go out and search out um what was that twitter which i think is the wrong one um which may have may or may not have had some mlm uh links associated to it but it's all cleaned up now it's all good so we got to figure it out so greg brown is even doing numbers for the, the, the NCAA compliance office. So I don't know if there's anything this freshman can't do. We're only 42 days away, or 41, I believe, when you're listening to this, from Texas basketball. And 40 days and 40 nights you have to get acclimated with Greg Brown's Twitter and enjoy every second that we have him on the 40 acres because he's a joy.
0: Yeah, Greg Brown is a great follow. I, I think the 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 – He's got more inside practice. Like, I don't know why they're letting him do this, but like his inside practice looks, I'm totally fine with it because I've seen, again, more of Texas basketball practice in the last six months than I've seen in probably the last six years. So it's good uh, to see it. I'm banging the drum this week on a, a fan post from a good friend of mine in college, a guy, a guy named Dan Weiner, um, who's a very good buddy of mine from college, and he's a he's a – I don't want to call him a rabid Longhorn fan. He's a, he's a sports fan. He loves the Texas Longhorns. Um But as like most of us, I think he's frustrated with the current state of affairs. And so uh, he put a fan post up uh, actually on Burn Orange Nation. And and, uh, he basically did some legwork about Texas's development versus their ability to recruit players. And so it's not shocking to anybody that Texas has been far and away the top recruiting school in the universe, in the Big 12 since 2007. Now, you'll, know, the 2007 will make sense in just a minute. So, from 20, 2007 to 2013, Texas averaged the seventh best recruiting class in the nation. Next closest was Oklahoma at 12th. So, we chose though, or he chose those years because basically that is the last, um, That that is the last 10 years of NFL drafts, the classes that the players would have been in. So from 2011 to 2020 is that the last 10 NFL drafts. And so the players were recruited from 2007 to 2013. So again, keep that in mind. Texas averaged number seven in the country, number one in the conference over that span. Texas produced 27 draft picks in the last 10 drafts, which is smack dab in the middle of the conference at five. It gets even worse when you look at the number of first or second round picks, guys that they're expected to kind of be immediate contributors to the NFL. They're tied at sixth with Kansas State in the number of first or second round picks in the last 10 NFL drafts. Kyle, that covers Mac Brown, that covers Charlie Strong, and that covers a couple years of Tom Herman. Not a great look for the development of talent at the University of Texas.
1: There's there's a, a famous quote by Shakespeare in Hamlet. Something's rotten in the state of Denmark. And something, given all of those numbers and all the things that the eye test and that we've seen and we've felt. And the, the TV remotes thrown at TVs uh, and, and beers thrown across the room in that time frame that you described. Um, this is not new, but it's a, it's a, it's a new and kind of terrible a sobering quantification of it that it isn't just a coach. It isn't an assistant coach who missed a guy. It isn't a one coach who didn't develop his unit. It's not an athletic director. There's been multiple of those through there. There's something bigger that isn't right. Uh, and until they figure out that root cause or that root cause analysis and, 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 you know, cut that cancer out whatever it is that is at the root of that just death dearth of both um in in the program then then you know you can't expect it just to to get better instantly there's been a couple nine and ten win seasons in that frame um but those probably when looking back at the larger viewer outliers in this this kind of I hate to call it, but era of Texas football. This could be a whole podcast. I don't want to dive too deep in it, but that's good. Good research from uh, from Dan and, and good analysis. And it's it's it should be it should taste a little bad in your mouth when you hear it and you think about it. And it and it's it's not the Texas standard. It should
0: feel like ash in your mouth. Is what it should feel like. Mm. Ash, by the way, ash in your mouth as you think about. Where Texas has fallen and you know what I was thinking about it today where where I think this happened I'll never forget being in a recruiting like national signing day press conference and hearing Mac Brown say the words Texas doesn't recruit we select because everybody wants to come to Texas and I should have known that the wheels were about to fall off because that is the most absolutely asinine thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But I was like 20 at the time, so I didn't realize how stupid it was. So that, I think, is where the wheels started falling off. But we could talk about that later. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the Internet?
1: Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer on Twitter at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GHGoodridge. You can check me out on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, where we're going to talk Spider-Verse news, both animated and live action. There's been some news on that front, so we'll break all of that down for you this week, and we'll probably just make some random jokes about TV shows that we both enjoy. Uh, You can catch me with that, my co-host Raymond Summerlin, on that show. You can follow us on facebook at the longhorn republic where we do our post game live streams we'll have one this saturday following the baylor game that's a two-thirty kickoff so the live stream will be somewhere in the range of five-thirty, between five-thirty and 6 o'clock basically uh as soon as that final gun blows we will be there thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook up at- okay.
1: hope you're my podcast host for 80 years